Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Here you go. Here you go. It's early. Not just in the morning, but in the baseball season. It's early is the nothing personal word of the day. It is Wednesday, April 12th, 2023. And I wanted to calm everybody down. People are getting into timelines and getting into DMs and on the street, in the grocery store, telling me that their team stinks, panicking, saying the Tampa Bay Rays ought to be planning their parade, figuring out what the rings are going to look like. They're never going to lose a game wondering whether or not the Cardinals are going to finish in last place. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. The Astros miss Altuve. No buzzers, no garbage cans. The mentality of fans fascinates me. I'm not sure how often on Nothing Personal we talk about fans and what you're thinking and how hard it is as an executive. I'm not looking for a violin. Don't worry. I'm not asking for anyone to feel sorry for me. But I do often find myself thinking about how can I better communicate how to take the emotion out of a thought. And I spent years being unemotional, robotic, all the things that you know about me. And I'm definitely different now. And I remember being a fan of the New York Knicks and living and dying with every possession, every win, every loss. But there's one thing that I was good at, and I want to help people get better at it now. It's perspective, not from a micro standpoint, because in the moment when you miss a shot or don't get a rebound or commit a foul when you don't want to commit a foul or strike out or don't get the runner in from third base with fewer than two outs, it is the end of the world as you know it and you don't feel fine. That's micro. Macro is, hey, we got a game tomorrow. We're going to come back. We got 50 games left in the NBA season, 80 games left. You have 140 games left in MLB season. So I do the math with you, and I tell you that every Major League Baseball game, you need 16 of them to get to one NFL game. So in Major League Baseball, we haven't even played 16 games. The first game of your season is not done yet. How many of you, when you're fans of your football team, tell me that the season's over before the end of the first game? How many? The stats don't even come out and say teams that start 0-1 have a 32% chance of making the playoffs. I used to like that. Teams leading their division at the end of April have a 69% chance of winning their division. Whoever's winning on Memorial Day, they're going to be there in October. Now, I understand that mathematically it turns out that more often than not it's true, but still, it's early. So people are paying attention. Maybe now you're starting to pay attention to the Tampa Bay Rays, although they've won a couple games against the Red Sox and the rest of the games have been against the actual dreck of the league this year. They've got Lau who's hitting, what is he hitting, four straight home runs. They hit four straight games with a home run. 
They're doing bat flips. They're cocky. Every other day is a pitcher who's coming out and throwing five shutties. There's something about the Tampa Bay Rays that makes me excited because it gives hope to all teams who don't want to be Peter Seidler and they don't want to be Steve Cohn. Except wake up and smell the roses. That's not the expression. Wake up and smell the coffee. Did you see the coffee video, Coca? Did anyone send that to you trying to help me out? The the um the video of the woman who got some sort of thing and she can smell now and she cried because there's coffee in her nose and I don't drink coffee, so I've never had a cup of coffee, so it would not interest me to smell coffee, although now it would, I guess. I've never had the ability to smell coffee in the last couple of years. But that said, you told me, and and we didn't talk about this pregame or any time, as a matter of fact, with all the conversations we have, isn't there a chance that that video is BS and that it's just a viral video that's being done to make people like me feel like there's a chance? Or is it really, am I that cynical that the internet and TikTok and Instagram and all the people who are airbrushed and Photoshopped and videos are made up and green screens are used and you don't sit there and throw a compact disc into a compact disc drive from 30 feet away? Maybe I've become too cynical. But in any case, Tampa, <laughs> I have no idea. Why was I talking about smelling coffee? We're live, nothing personal with David Sampson. That's what Coca said, always go to that. When you lose your train of thought, just say, we're live, <laughs> okay? Something else happened yesterday that bothered me. And uh, Luis Arias hit for the cycle with the Marlins. Do you know how badly over 16 seasons we wanted someone to hit for the cycle? We got a list when we got there. Here's the, the number of no hitters that you've had. You have one ring. And so it was sort of a in the media guide. It goes through all the special accomplishments of the franchise. And you think to yourself things that you want to do. At that point, you write winning a World Series like you do every year, not realizing you'd win it a year later, and that you want more no hitters, not realizing you'd be a part of a bunch of no hitters. You want rookies of the year, not realizing you'd get rookies of the year. You want a Cy Young winner, not realizing you would never have a Cy Young winner with all the great pitchers that you had but now they got one with Sandy Alcantara last year. But the cycle, it was always bizarre. And the reason why we wanted a cycle is when you have a franchise where you have attendance issues and you're sort of being made fun of and you're trying to build tradition in your community, you want as much attention as you can get. You want as much specialized moments that are individual moments. You want team moments. It's why we wanted to always host the World Baseball Classic. It's why we always open up the stadium to do different events uh, at Marlins Park once it was built. You're just trying to generate interest. When Marlins Park was being built, we knew that we were going to put themes in some of the suites where there'd be group sales areas where people buy groups and they come. And we knew that we had a, a, a a World Series theme suite, the 97 championship suite, the 2003 championship suite. I don't know if Jeter got rid of these at all, but they used to exist. And then we had a suite where the decorations were of all of the uh, rookies of the year that we've had, the no hitters we've had. And we always were waiting and waiting for a cycle because we wanted to celebrate it. Why? Because it's cool. A cycle means you've hit a single, double, triple, and home run in the same game. There's a home run cycle, which is a solo homer, a two-run shot, a three-run shot, and a grand slam. There's all sorts of, we always made up, there's an RBI cycle where you drive in one, two, three, and four, and four at-bats. 
all of these different things and make it a theme never happened. The Marlins traded for Luis Arise in the offseason, and they traded a top-of-the-rotation starter named Pablo Lopez, who coincidentally had an amazing game for the Twins last night. So it's an interesting trade for both teams. Luis is hitting about 769 this season. You can't get him out. And he finally got his cycle. And Jason Stark came up with a, a stat that he tweeted after that really drew my attention. And it was that the Marlins have been around for 30 years and we've had 548 different hitters, 548 different hitters have worn a Marlins uniform. And I was thinking about how many I couldn't remember who were a part of a team. Oh, Coca side note. It happened last night. I was watching the Padres Mets game and the guy who pitched for the Padres uh, Weathers. I did not realize that he is the son of David Weathers. So they show the Mets losing the game when Hader almost blows the save, but doesn't. And then they cut to David Weathers and he was at the game cheering. And the announcer said, Hey, there's a proud Papa. And I looked at him and I said, David Weathers. I think that guy played for us. I remember him as a reliever. I think he was with the Marlins, but I couldn't remember what year or what he did. So I went to his baseball reference sheet and he was a Marlin in 04 for like a hot second. And I have no idea. I can't remember what I did yesterday. People say that, but I mean that. And I had a recollection of David Weathers being in our clubhouse. I don't know why. So anyway, out of the 548 hitters, the number that I had from 02 to 17, wonder whether or not I could recognize all of them. Probably not. But that said, no cycles. And then Luis joins for 12 games. That's how early it is in the season. 12 games in. And he hit for a cycle. The first one in history. In a crushing of the Phillies. If you're a Phillies fan, are you thinking to yourself, we're done? You're four and seven. You're behind the Marlins now in fourth place. Never, no chance to hang on until Bryce Harper grabs a bat, which he just did. Maybe you're upset that the Astros, who Samson picked to win the World Series, they're five and seven, struggling. Not going to happen for them. Maybe you're the Blue Jays saying, we're seven and four, we're good, but oh my God, we're four games back of the Rays. Don't worry, it's early. It's so early that it makes answering the next question that you gave to me on David P. Sampson on Twitter, it makes it an answer worth giving as part of this show. Go ahead, Coca. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson? Just yesterday, again, we're off script. I have my half-baked socks because So You Want to Talk to Samson is from Half-Baked. And I was given for Hanukkah one year or something, Kwanzaa, but I think it was Hanukkah, a pair of, you know, you can go to any store where they sell every type of crazy socks from every TV show or every design. Someone go, oh, oh my God, Coca, I need to, um, I'm not going to leave the show right now, but I can't believe what just happened. And you're watching this happen. And I'm going to explain it. My sister bought me those socks. My late sister bought me my half-baked socks. Anyway, so I have half-baked socks and they have a hole in them now. And there was a hole in the bottom. 
and I threw them out and they're in the garbage can right now in the kitchen and I'm going to get them out of the garbage and I'm going to wash them and always keep them. I can't believe that I almost threw them out. I wonder whether I would have gone into the incinerator to find them. I can't believe that it didn't occur to me when I threw them out because when I have holes in my socks, like Paul Simon with shoes, I'm going to throw them away and I'm going to get new socks because I don't want to wear socks with holes because it makes my feet not feel good. But I don't want to throw those away, not because they're half-baked, because I already thought that I would get new ones, but I just remembered my sister got them for me. I'm sorry. I'm not throwing those away. I'm so distracted now, Coco. There's almost no chance that I'm getting back. Oh, so you want to talk to Samson is from half-baked. Here's the question. David, you dealt with many young players. Open parens. This is unnecessary. I mean, you're still getting the question on the show, but come on. David, you dealt with many young players because you didn't pay for veterans. Close parentheses. Seriously? We overpaid for crappy veterans. You have it totally wrong. Okay. Anyway, that's you talking, not me. Although I would have said the same thing. Anyway, please discuss, and maybe I did, whether benching Volpe is a good move and explain how the decision was made. Well, let me start with thanking you for the follow on Twitter at David P. Sampson. That was very nice of you. I appreciate that you listened to the show, and I'm happy to answer that question. I don't understand. Is that just anecdotal that we don't pay for veterans? If you're going to say that, how can you criticize me then? This is what's unfair and no violin, but it's totally unfair for you or you, capital Y, to criticize crappy signings and then not enough signings. Which is it? Make up your mind. So during spring training, it's become sport, especially with the union focusing on this. It is sport for pressuring teams to call up their prospects, their superstars, and start the season with them. We want the best 26 guys. We're going to talk to Aaron Judge and decide whether Volpe is ready. Aaron Judge doesn't know the first thing about whether Volpe is ready. Not the first thing. Oh, he's good in the clubhouse. He handles it well. He's going to be just fine. Okay, appreciate your input. Why don't we stick to the baseball people who actually know who's ready and who's not? Oh, but we're going to change the rules. And if you don't call up a guy right now and you call him up and he ends up being good, we're going to pretend you called him up to start the season. So you might as well call him up to start the season. No. And I told you no, because when you call up a player and they're not ready and they stink, you are in danger of ruining that player's career. Hello, done it. Ruined a bunch of careers by calling up guys too early out of desperation or out of acquiescence either way. There are a bunch of rookies who were called up, who started the season, who are struggling. Let's start with Volpe. He's had a huge number. I can't even tell you how many. 196 at-bats so far this season. And the Yankees finally said, we're going to have to bench him. He's hitting 129 after 36 at-bats. 36 at-bats. I told you what we're looking for. We're looking for body language. We're looking for whether or not he's taking it into the field with his defense. We're looking at his level of frustration. What's going on in the clubhouse? 
What's he saying? Does he look like he's not sleeping? Is he eating differently? Is he making routine plays? Is he not recognizing pitches the way he used to? Or is he just having bad luck? Or is it just a 36 at bat string where you're hitting 129? Which I will tell you now again with zero analytic proof, but someone out there, find me any player who doesn't have a 36 at bat stretch with hitting 129 during the course of a 600 at bat season. But Aaron Boone got together with Brian Cashman. They said, you know what? We're going to give him a blow. That's the word we use. It's such an unfortunate expression. We're going to give you a blow tonight. It means we're going to give you a break. We're going to arrest you. We're going to let you clear your head. Well, we consult with our team psychologists because some players react well to clearing their head. Some people don't react well to clearing their head. Some people can't clear their head. But that's, we're going to make you not get ready for the game. Not do your normal pregame routine so you know that you're going to be out. There are some veterans, on a side note, when we said that they were getting a day off and we would tell them in advance, if we asked them to pinch hit, they'd say, man, I'm not ready. I didn't do my pregame routine. I don't even have spikes on. I'm wearing sneakers and I've had a bunch of beers during the game. This is actually true. So then you have to say, hey, you're not starting, but you're available to play. And then the player would say, well, that's not a full day off. I didn't get a chance to fully clear my head. If I'm available, that means I got to watch the game. I got to pay attention. Think about who's coming out of the bullpen. Oh, I'm so sorry. Next time, just take a full day off. No problem. So the Yankees got together and said, we're going to bench him. Here's the problem. Volpe, like every other young good player, the number one rule is they have to play every day. You don't bring up one of your top prospects to be a utility infielder or to be your left-handed bat off the bench. You don't bring up your best starting pitcher and put him in the pen as a long guy where he may go every four days for four innings and then sit and come in for an inning or go for three innings in a game where you're up or down by eight runs. No, your best prospects come in and play every day or they're in the rotation every five days. It is hard and fast because that is what you do when you have a player. Here's a little hint for minor leaguers, by the way. If you're called up to a team and you are put in a situation where your arm is used and abused, or you're called up and you've never been called up and you're on the bench, let me just give you a little hint. You're not thought of by the front office as somebody who's going to make it to free agency. Maybe not even arbitration. But if you're called up and you're playing every day, that means that you are going to get an opportunity to play every day. So Volpe is not going to be on the bench for long. He did not play yesterday. The Yanks had a good game. They're seven and four right now. Their offense is clicking. Garrett Cole is pitching like he's going to win the Cy Young Award, although it's been three starts. Let's not get crazy. He's 10% done with his starts, maybe not even if he goes over 30. So what you do with your rookie is you keep going or you send them down and you get some clock time, you get some service time manipulation, keep them down for a month, and then it's the same thing as bringing them up at the end of April. But it's happening everywhere. Henderson in Baltimore. The guy in Boston who was going to be so good, Tristan Cassis, he was going to be so good. What about Yoshida? I don't count. Do you count guys who have been like Coca? Do you think that Senga's a rookie? Do you look at him that way? Like, do you think that he gets treated as a rookie, as the, the Mets pitcher? He does not. 
That doesn't mean that you don't deserve rookie of the year the way Ichiro won rookie of the year. I think that was the year, by the way, that Ichiro won MVP and rookie of the year, which is so unbelievably awesome. Of course, he had had a, a career in Japan beforehand, but transitioning to the United States and to Major League Baseball, not easy at all. The Mets with your guy, Francisco Alvarez. Are you all right? Eight at-bats? Everyone okay? Don't worry. The Mets should not have called him up. No reason to call him up. He wasn't ready. The Mets need hitting. They need catching injuries. Narvaez out for eight to nine weeks, but it doesn't matter. When you change the timeline and make a player ready who's not ready because of an injury or lack of performance by another player at the big league level, you are not doing that player any favors. You're just not. Conversely, don't talk to me right now that Jordan Walker is the rookie of the year and the greatest thing since sliced bread. He's the guy playing for the Cardinals who's not having any issues as a rookie. He made the opening day roster. I didn't think he would. Everybody's all excited. I thought that you should hold him off so you can wait, wait, arbitration, delay arbitration for a year. Be that as it may, they didn't. He now has an 11-game hitting streak to start the season, the second longest hitting streak of all time to start a, a career when you're age 20 or younger. That's cool. I mean, that's great. And it doesn't mean squat. What are the Cardinals doing? I think the Cardinals are, they may be in last place. They're in last place of the National League Central. It's early. So benching Volpe, to answer your question, which you knew I'd get to, not a good move. Don't bench him. Either send him down or play him every day because you want to see how he reacts. Is it a one-game blow? We're going to find out. If he's not in the lineup today, I will tell you that the Yankees are this far from sending him down, but he should be back in the lineup. That is how you're supposed to play it. What about the Diamondbacks guy? A lot of talk about him. Have you ever heard of him, Corbin Carroll? He was, uh, a lot of people were picking him for rookie of the year. The Diamondbacks have gotten off to a great start. They're actually in first place. If you think they're going to win the NL West, I promise you they will not. That said, they're a team that's not terrible. They're seven and five, tied for first in the NL West. And they have this rookie named Corbin Carroll. He's also, whatever, hitting 233. They've got bigger fish to fry in Arizona. I don't know if you saw the president is a good guy named Derek Hall. I've known him forever. That's not a look at me, Louie. He is just someone who has been a part of baseball for a long time. And he's worked with Ken Kendrick, the owner there for, I don't know how long he's been the president. It's got to be 15 years by now, maybe longer. He's He was an early adapter of Twitter. I remember talking to him at an owner's meeting once because presidents go to owner's meetings. And he had this social media presence and I had no Twitter at the time. And I said, like, what are you doing? Why would you be on this platform? And he said, I'm telling you, David, you got to get on Twitter. It's important to communicate with your fans. A little late, but I got there at David P. Sampson. Derek Hall is busy right now with the Diamondbacks, not worrying about Corbin Carroll, not worrying about winning the NL West. He's worried about a new ballpark. And when I saw that there is a fight right now in Arizona for a new ballpark, and we touched on it in previous shows, but when I saw there was a fight for a new ballpark, new ballpark, I thought to myself, my God, we're about to start another cycle and Tampa and Oakland have not yet gotten their ballpark from the previous cycle. 
And that's how I felt about Marlins Park, that we were the end of a cycle, but that was now 12 years ago. When I first went to Chase Field, I viewed it as a airplane hangar. That was sort of the reputation of it. It's right in downtown Phoenix. It is outstanding. It was very close to the team hotel, very close to Sky Harbor Airport. I absolutely loved being in Phoenix and climbing Camelback and doing all the things you do. There's great food, great nightlife, great everything going on in Phoenix and Scottsdale, great shopping, great everything. The players like going there. You're this far away. Like, I don't know why I snapped. That's so bizarre. You're, you're this far. I'm holding my fingers close together from Vegas, which is always a positive. But now they feel as though that they're losing ground on other teams. This is where executives forget the market they're in and they forget the situation that they're in and they look out at teams in other cities and they turn Hulk green with envy. Right now, the Diamondbacks do not generate the type of revenue in stadium or near stadium that other teams are. And they've wanted to do for years now a new ballpark with development. What Arizona and Phoenix has said is, what about renovating Chase Field? And the Diamondbacks say, well, that'll just write a check. Give us half a billion dollars, we'll renovate it. But they don't mean it. So I wanted to explain what Derek Hall is doing. He is saying right now that, you know, we talk about renovating Chase Field, but our focus really is on a new ballpark. But that's not really his focus. And he was pretty clear about what he wanted. His focus is on the ancillary retail, commercial, hotel, residential. Those are like the four basic principles of new ballparks these days because they're not ballpark deals anymore. They're real estate deals, just like what you're seeing in Miami with Inter-Miami, just like what you're seeing in Atlanta, like what you saw in St. Louis, what you're hoping Steve Cohn is praying that you see in, in New York. You want the ancillary development because then you get rich because you get to keep all of the revenue generated by that ancillary development and not share it with anyone or not lower the amount of revenue sharing that you get from other teams. And on top of that, you get a new ballpark where you've got another chance for an uptick in revenue in your local in-game revenue, in-stadium revenue, where you get to build a new state-of-the-art facility. And I promise you Arizona's facility when built will be smaller than the current facility that they have now at Chase Field. Everyone likes something shiny and new. Which means that the stadium cycle actually never ends. And that's the dirty little secret that baseball will never tell you. It's not that, hey, we have a new stadium now, don't worry about us. Like when they get it in Oakland, that's it, we're good. We're Miami, we're good, we're staying in Miami, everything's fine. It never ends. And I thought about this and I compared it to when you own a home or an apartment or a boat. I don't own a boat. I would never own a boat for this reason that I'm about to say. There's always something wrong and you always need to do something to improve and fix what you have. Always. Each year, you put a bunch of millions of dollars in a budget line item for capital expenditures. You do it in your business. You do it when you run a sports team, when you have physical plant 
facilities, capital expenditures. Even when you don't, buy new computers for everybody, that counts as a capital expenditure. New desks, new chairs, anything, new soundboards, new stadiums, new scoreboards, new seats, anything that you're doing. And it never occurred to me while building Marlins Park, even though we negotiated a capital reserve fund, even though I knew that 10 years down the line, the capital reserve fund was going to be empty and we'd have to go back to the public for more money, even though the public didn't realize that's what we were going to do. But when you're building something new, you try to make it so the amount of money needed to both upkeep, repair, and then replace is as small as possible. So you try to design it in a way that you think will maximize revenues for the longest period of time possible. Except in baseball, the minute it opens, it's like driving a car off the lot. It depreciates, it's worth half its value. Like the best and most valuable your car ever was, was when you stepped into it for the first time, downhill since then. Unlike a house, which could go up in value, right? So this cycle never ends. So I'm going to give you a wait to see right now. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. If it does, great. If it doesn't, great. But all of this talk about renovating Chase Field, it's horse hockey. It's not going to happen. No chance. Wait to see. There will be no renovations for Chase Field. There will be a new ballpark in Phoenix. The Diamondbacks are not moving anywhere. They're not moving to a minor league facility to play one hockey season. They're not doing any of that. There will be a new ballpark in Phoenix and a deal will get done. All right, when we come back, we're going to review one of the Academy Award nominees for Best Picture that I did not see until a couple of days ago. And then we're going to talk about what happened in the NBA last night. We will be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name's David Sampson. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, all the things you're supposed to do to keep our podcast growing. We've noticed it has grown significantly and will continue to because we're here every Monday to Friday. 
live on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel and the audio wherever you get your podcasts. So if you're listening to me, you're not aware that I can't button my blazer. Not good. Avatar, The Way of Water. James Cameron directed a movie that took him 29 years from start to finish. There's Avatar 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8 ready to go. The running time is three and a half hours. Everybody's a blue person, except for some are aqua blue, some are dark blue, and they all have lights on their face. And then you can sort of see my favorite, one of my top favorite actresses, Zoe Zaldana, Sigourney Weaver, Kate Winslet, Sam Worthington. You can sort of picture everybody. I saw Avatar many, many years ago, whenever it came out, the first one. I didn't know what the hell was going on. It took me, wait for it, four seatings in my home to get through Avatar The Way of Water. Four of them. It's a 200-minute movie. Not compelling, not emotional, not interesting. The storyline, mediocre and ridiculous, and it just sets up for sequels. Hey, we're going to go to another island. It'll be water. It'll be fire. It'll be it'll be brimstone. And we're going to make sure that the family stays together. We're going to have to kill somebody off, but not the main people because they've got five picture deals. Don't worry. At the end of this fight, not no one's going to die. How could they die? Or if they do die, don't worry. They're not really dead. They're coming back to life because they have to be in the next one. All of that said, the visual effects Oscar that it won is so well-deserved. It is so unbelievably cool that I get why it took so long, but man, not a compelling storyline other than the cool factor. It's a hard pass. That's why it did not get highly decorated during the Oscars. Avatar, The Way of Water, it is one hour of watching movies per one minute of this review. God, that's depressing. Let's talk about corrections for a quick second here, please. I've said this once, I'll say it again. I'll keep saying it. I have no script, I have no teleprompter. This is me to you, 45 minutes every day. I've got Coke in my ear, who's got five screens in front of him trying to figure out what's what and who's who, what am I gonna say next? But I've got a, Correction, because you gave it to me. Yesterday, I'm just gonna read it. Good evening, David. I love the show, but have a correction. This morning, you said that Steve Clifford replaced fired coach Kenny Atkinson. It was James Borrego who replaced Clifford and then was fired last spring. Atkinson was to be his replacement, but backed out before signing. He was not fired, nor did he coach a game. So right idea, but not accurate. As a Hornets fan, though, I'm impressed to see anybody even mention them. Well, there you go. I'll always mention a correction. When I say something wrong and I don't catch it on the show, it's going to happen. Let me know. I'll correct it. Well, the NBA play-in tournament is happening. It's exciting. Someone told me, it may have been uh, the announcer for yesterday's first game, the Heat-Hawks game, that the stats, Matt, is this accurate? that the play-in stats don't count for either your postseason stats or your regular season stats. And so everything that gets accomplished in the play-in game is actually as though it never even happened. And they'll make it a separate set of records. The highest scoring game of a play-in game was LeBron James with 39 points. I don't know if that's the case, but whatever. That's so strange. 
either it's a regular season game or a playoff game. I wonder whether the NBA play-in tournament, I think what they said is that the early rounds in the play in the mid-season tournament are going to count as regular season stats, but when they get to single elimination, they're not going to count them, or are they going to count all of them? My vote would be for them to count all of them. And in the play-in tournament, I think every stat should count. I mean, imagine like doing what Atlanta did and scoring all those points or Clint Acapella having all that's, is it Acapella? Or I think Acapella is the singing voice, right? Without instruments. Clint Capella got all those rebounds yesterday. The Hawks crushed the heat. The heat looked terrible. I had the heat as part of a money line parlay and they couldn't even win the game. So the heat Lakers parlay lost. I had the Astros over the Pirates, and they lost on a walk-off. Just a terrible 0-2 night. We're 50-53. and 53. Makes me very upset. But hang in there. I have a wait to see that we'll finish in the money and above 500, and we will. It's early. Do you like that? A little callback to the start of the show? It's early. All right, we got two games tonight to talk about. Woodruff is pitching for the Brewers, and he has been unhittable but I'm taking the Diamondbacks, even over the Brewers. Woodruff is on the injured list, folks. It's so bad when your phone rings. Woodruff was ready to pitch tonight. He's got some shoulder issues, and he's put on the IL. Every time a pitcher gets hurt or a position player gets hurt, I think back to my phone ringing and how much I hated to get a phone call from a, a non-game phone call from the GM or the trainer because it meant something bad was happening. But we're still taking the Diamondbacks even over the Brewers. And in the NBA tonight, there's two more playing games. And let's talk about the Thunder who are playing the Pelicans. The Thunder are plus five and a half over the Pelicans. And I'm taking the points. If you've watched the Thunder play, they're not five and a half points worse than the Pelicans. The Pelicans are playing without Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson, the guy who I thought was going to be in the top three in the MVP. The guy who I forgot to mention never plays because he's hurt. Zion Williamson is not available. He's been out since January with various issues and maladies from hamstrings to this to that. But then Zion Williamson met the media yesterday and said something very bizarre everything but it's just a matter of the level that I was playing at before uh, my hamstring and I'm just I'm just a competitor I don't want to go out there and be in my own head and affect the team when I can just be on the sideline supporting them more because you know as I know myself if I, if I was to go out there uh, I would be in my head. I would be in my head. Like I would make. I would hesitate on certain moves, and that could affect the game. I I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I do. Okay, I'm going to come at this from an angle that is going to be a bit of a tightrope walk, but I want you to understand why I'm walking this tightrope. You've heard me talk about the mental health issues, mental wellness, and how happy I am that it is now a part of a front office's thinking. You've also heard me talk about a player like a Ben Simmons, where I have no information at all about his mental health, but I have concerns over what I think are other things going on 
that are causing him not to play. Physical issues, lack of desire, wanting to cash paychecks. And it is a very hard job for a front office to discern whether someone is using mental health as a sword or a shield. Are they using it because they need to use it because they truly have mental health issues? Or are they using it as an excuse because they're scared to play or they're not working hard enough to be physically ready to play? I am not speculating about whether Zion Williamson is having mental health issues. But if you are, I would like you to have a better way to express it. I don't think that you express it by saying and commenting that, hey, I think that Zion is better off on the sidelines. He talked in the third person. He talked about his frustration. He talked about physically I'm fine. Now it's just a matter of when I feel like Zion. He kept talking about that he can't really help the team in that video clip because I may be hesitating. I may not be sure of myself physically. Didn't it sound like he wasn't mentally ready to play and he was pretending he wasn't physically ready to play? Or did it sound like that he wasn't physically ready to play, but he wanted to say he wasn't mentally ready to play so he wouldn't focus on the fact that he wasn't physically ready to play. But then he talked about that physically he's fine, which means he's physically ready to play, which means the only conclusion is that he's not mentally ready to play. In which case, don't say you're not mentally ready to play if in fact you've been lying to us about whether you're physically ready to play. And if you're Zion Williamson, in my opinion, you've got a little bit of a credibility issue because your conditioning has been called into question. For years, people are asking, when are you coming back? And he said, I don't feel like there are any specific benchmarks for being Zion. It's just a matter of like, you know, when I feel like myself, just feeling like myself and knowing that I can go out there and have a big impact for my team. Zion, we signed you to that deal. We drafted you first, sold a bunch of tickets because of you. You're so good. I hope when you play, we're a better team. How about it? Just for me. How about 10 minutes? Just get in uniform. How about we get in there and test the hypothesis that you're not ready to go and that you're going to let down the team. I'm the president of the team and I can assure you, you're not letting me down. When you're in the game, everybody's better because there's focus on you. You're a threat. So. When you're meeting the media, can you keep it down? Can you not talk about the fact that you're not ready to go? Can we make the other teams prepare as though you are? Don't you think it's time to play again? Of course, this goes against my way to see which this is not going to play again. He's completely done for the season. But that said, how many shows in a row am I going to prepare you, the listener, my audience, who I love so much, you're better prepared to do PR than half the players and executives who do PR in front of a microphone. Just by listening to the show. You know when you're Zion Williamson that you've got a camera and you've got a microphone following you. You know whether you're training or not, whether you've gained weight or not. You know whether you're ready or not. We as trainers and front office can get reports from the trainers, from the doctors. We can look at the drills you're doing on the floor. 
We can look at the way you're taking infield, the way you're in the cage, and we can tell you whether you're ready. You've got to want it. The first person I ever came into experience in talking in the third person was Ricky Henderson. Ricky Henderson always talked about himself in the third person. Now I'm looking at Zion do it. And folks, Zion is a pelican forever. Do you remember when they gave him like $190 million a couple years ago? That extension hasn't even started yet. He's going to be on this team for five years after this year, and he never plays. It's not that he's injury prone. He's injured. It's not that he has mental health issues. He's mentally in a place where he can't perform physically, or he's mentally in a place where his body is giving up on him, or he's physically in a place where his brain's giving out on him. Whichever it is, he has been changed in a way that makes me wonder whether he can ever be what he's supposed to be. That extension, which which kicks in next year, if you are the New Orleans Pelicans and he does not perform for you, you are screwed as a franchise. Now you're going to read tonight about how good they are at the play-in tournaments. They're undefeated or 2-0 and or something in play-in games or whatever the case may be. That's great. Thunder are going to beat the Pelicans today. That is my pick of the day. Okay. Coca, you're right. I didn't even mention that. I did not even mention Ben Simmons. You know how much money Ben Simmons makes. You know the Nets still owe Ben Simmons $77 million, and Ben Simmons was shut down for the season. Ben Simmons will never play for the Nets again. They're either going to have to trade him, release him, do something. When are teams going to learn? Just don't sign every player when you don't need to. Early extensions will crush you. Trading bad contracts for bad contracts, I'm in. You may get lucky, but you got to be willing to walk away. You got to be willing to cut your losses. Right now, the Atlanta Hawks are in a position where they get one more uh, series against the Celtics. And uh, Trey Young is the guy who I said will not win a title before Luka does. Trey Young is the guy who got his entire uh, coach Nate McMillan fired, and now he's dealing with Quinn Snyder. Trey Young is the guy who got into it with somebody on the bench last night. Trey Young is a guy who has a huge, who did I say? The coach was Nate McMillan who he got fired. Now he's fighting with someone else on the bench yesterday, Coca. I'm telling you. Oh, it was Nate McMillan's son? No, it wasn't. Time out. Hold on for the show. Coca, tell me this again. Is Nate McMillan's son an assistant with Quinn Snyder on the Hawks bench? Is that, oh my God. Here's a little nugget, Atlanta. When you fire a head coach and they've got family members in the organization, you fire them too. Jeff Torborg had all of his sons with him when he was fired, they're all gone. That's what you do. Holy cow. Okay. I have no idea why you just brought that up, but that's unbelievable. Thank you. God, the Hawks have a problem. Did you see the tweet the Hawks sent this morning? Sounded like a Marlins game in Miami, in Miami Arena, which is now called the FTX Arena, or it's now called the Hyacinth Arena or something, whatever it's called. 
when you're running somebody's Twitter account, just a little thing here, don't make fun of other teams unless it's funny. That wasn't funny. I think I may have taken that personally, actually. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. It's just business, except if you're the social media for the Atlanta Hawks. This is nothing personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.